So hello and welcome to the 17th episode of the Spotlight Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Century 21 sales representatives in Canada, where we discuss the hot topics and important news in the real estate industry. So I'm your host, Lyons Killies, and with me, as always, is Aaron Richardson. Hello. Aaron is a broker and general manager with Century 21 Heritage Group. Aaron has an extensive background in online marketing, technology, and customer service. And I'm the head of business development at the real estate marketing company, Homania. So on today's show, we're going to be concluding our mini-series on building the foundations of your real estate business. Over the past couple of shows, we've gone over getting started in the industry and how to make that ever-important transition to becoming a top producer. But today, we're going to be talking about planning your end game, making sure you're financially secure for retirement. As a real estate agent, you probably know that there's no pension the day you retire. How much money do you really need to retire comfortably? Are you on track to getting to that number? Do you understand the rule of 72? What should I be doing now to get where I need to be? And who better to answer these questions than Kevin Stanley? Kevin has been working with Century 21 for 31 years in many roles. Salesperson, recruiter manager, real estate trainer, and now his current position is the Director of Knowledge and Learning at Century 21 Canada. So Kevin, welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, depending where you are, I guess. Good morning. Yeah. And I heard you just got back from vacation. So is it a good one, I hope? Oh, fantastic vacation. I spent 31 days in Europe and I would uh, recommend it to cool. anyone. Whereabouts in Europe did you go? I've been to Europe before, but uh, I'm sure everyone's got their own unique Europe experience. Oh, I started in London, then we went to Paris, Bruges, Brussels, Amsterdam, and then a river cruise for 14 days, 16 cities, and then Budapest and Prague. Oh, God, you're making everyone else jealous. It's amazing. Been, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I've been working really hard for the last few weeks. Got a new product launch coming <laughs> up soon, so <laughs> I wish I could have been spending it in Europe, that's for sure. Well, welcome back to Canada, and hopefully uh, the vacation was amazing. Thanks, Linus. I only went camping. That doesn't sound like anything like I did what I did. <laughs> I was in a camping tent. Camping can be fun. Come on. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, camping in the Canadian wilderness with their family. That's not a bad thing for sure. I'm actually going camping this weekend too, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Oh, but okay, well, anyways, let's get started with uh, with the topics on hand here. So, Kevin, as an agent, a lot of us maybe not haven't even thought about retirement, especially if you're just getting started out. So if you haven't started planning for retirement yet, like where's the best place to start? What should you be doing? Okay, this is one of my favorite topics. And, and every time I talk about it in groups, it, it seems to resonate very well. Where do you start? Well, part of it is a self-assessment, you know, determining what you think you, when you want to retire, what that looks like. And if you're not good with numbers, then that might involve a, a financial planner, of course. You know, typically financial planners, though, have a, an agenda of their own where they want to try and sell you funds and things like that. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. But they can help you determine what that final number should look like. The second step is you need to pick a year. And it sounds silly and maybe almost impossible, but you need to just pick a, a year that today is the year that you would like to retire. And if it's 20 years from now, if it's 10 years from now, just pick a year understanding that that is a moving target. You know, if you pick it today and it's 20 years down the road, it might change. Life changes, health changes, family changes, marital status sadly sometimes changes. But you need to have a starting point to know where you want to to get to. 
And by picking that date, then at least you have a goal. So I would say that self-assessment and then picking a, picking a date, a year. Yeah, well, I definitely would like to pick one in the very near future, but I don't think that's going to be happening in my current financial situation. So I guess the one the one thing about real estate agents, too, is especially when you're just getting started out, your income is very sporadic. You might get a couple of deals here, but you might not get a deal for six, seven months. So how do you actually like set the money aside and, and plan for that kind of inconsistency in income going forward? I, mean, I guess that must be something very different. It's not a regular paycheck, right? Well, that's true. That's true. But the, the nice thing about real estate is that your income really isn't dictated by the market necessarily. It's dictated by your ability to stay focused on your prospecting. And, and regardless of whether the market's hot, good, bad, there are salespeople who make an awful lot of money in all those markets. And then there are other agents who don't necessarily make a lot of money. So having the plan and then working that plan sounds cliche, but that really is important. You started off by saying this is a bit of an end game, but to be honest, retirement should be a part of the very, very first, whether you're a brand new agent or whether you are uh, got 10, 15 years, it, it, it should be something that you have in the back of your mind every day. So you really are planning for your regular income, right? You have to pay your bills monthly. You have to be able to cover all the, the fixed costs, but that long-term planning has to be on top of that. And what I've seen over the last 31 years is that realtors tend to ride the wave. When things are hot, they spend money like there's no tomorrow. They're buying bigger cars, fancier cars, bigger homes. And so they're spending more when the market's hot. And then when it slows down and they're living a lifestyle they can't necessarily afford, they're, it's like they're hitting a wall. Uh, so if you have that long-term plan in mind, when the market's hot, you harvest and, and start to put more money away towards that, that retirement. And when it's slower, you still do have to work harder, but you can still keep moving towards the goal. The goal is the key, uh, Linus. If you don't have the goal, then how can you possibly know where you're, where you're heading? I think it's difficult for a lot of people too, just in any industry. Like you see that you've got that kind of final goal in mind, but we're living in the now, right? It's hard to plan sometimes for 20, 30 years out in the future and, and squirrel that money away when you can, you can say, well, you know, I kind of need these these repairs to my car or I need a new roof for my house, right? And and those priorities seem so much more important. Is is there any sort of easy way to to make these priorities shift a little bit and, and start thinking for the future? Like I, I know for sure, sure, like I'm not where I want to be for my future retirement too. So these kinds of questions are things that I have and, and they're pertinent to me as well. Well, I th there's no easy way uh, because life throws you curves. Uh, you know, that new roof that you didn't expect to spend 8000 or $10,000 on, uh, those things happen. Uh, health can happen. Uh, children can happen when you didn't expect it to. Uh, so those are things that you have to make adjustments along the way. I think more importantly, uh, I saw the correction come to Ontario in 1991 where agents prior to that were making ridiculous amounts of money. There was a correction. There was another correction to the market in 1995 in Vancouver. Uh, any agent that lives in Alberta or Manitoba or Saskatchewan right now, they're probably wishing they had put money away over the last five, six, seven years because now they have a market that's a little softer. So there's this 
cycles that happen in real estate that we have to be aware of and have to plan around. And it all starts with figuring out a number based on your retirement tentative date of how much money do you need? And that's, that's really where it starts. You, you have to have some concrete numbers. Is, is there any kind of ballpark way of determining these numbers too? Like, I guess you want to figure out how much income you want um, on an annual basis going forward uh, through your retirement and getting the number from there. Like how, how can you come up with a rough, rough estimate of even that too, without maybe going to see a financial planner? Uh, how would you do that? Well, I, I like your phrase ballpark because it is a ballpark number, but if, if anyone's listening or whoever's listening, grab a pen and I'll just give you a quick example. Let's say that you are 40 years old today and you've chosen a year that you want to retire when you're 60. So that in just doing that calculation, it gives you two numbers. Number one, you have 20 years to plan for that financial retirement. Number two, if you've decided that you want to retire when you're 60, you can be reasonably safe to say that you're going to live the average length of time of, of a man or woman. So let's call it 85. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to have enough money for 25 years from 60 to 85. Now, Linus, you mentioned when we first started that there is no pension in real estate. That's really the key thing to remember. So at age 60, when you turn in your keys and say, I'm done selling real estate, you need to have the finances to be able to retire for those 25 years. So let's just do a little more calculating on that example. You then have to guesstimate how much money you want per year, like you just alluded to, Linus. Let's call that number 100,000 a year. So you're going to retire for from 60 to 85, 25 years times 100,000, pretty simple math, 2.5 million. So that, if that was your number, you then work backwards from where you are today to move towards having that amount of money at your disposal. Now, there are some things that are good news in that because it does sound like a pretty big number if, you know, depending where you're starting today. But let's say that you're going to get CPP and old age pension at age 65. So you're going to collect for about 20 years. So there's around $300,000 roughly, depending on when you start to collect it. But let's just use that as a round, a, round, a, rounded number. So there's 300,000 that you're going to get if that, if those funds still exist. So now that 2.2 million is now 1.8. I'm sorry, that 2.5 million is now 2.2. Right. So because you have 300,000 at your disposal. Right. And maybe maybe you have some RRSPs today, or maybe you have some other investments that you've been working on, you know, to get to 40 years old. So you take that number off. And let's say that was 400,000. So now your number is 1.8. Well, now you know that you have to somehow accumulate $1.8 million in that 20 year period that you're going to sell real estate. Yeah, if I, you're, that's, that's a scary number. Actually, this is really good, Kevin, you're doing this because I'm, I just turned 40. So I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm, this is exactly me and I'm going, Oh my goodness. 1.5 and I'm thinking, does equity in a house count? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it depends on, on whether your lifestyle is going to change when you retire. So let's say that you're living in a home that's a million dollars today and you know, when you retire, do you still want to have that bigger home or do you envision living in something that's a little bit smaller? Uh, so 
you can take that into consideration. I think it's best not to and keep that as a bonus. Um, right. I, I always want to be conservative on on the income side and you know a little bit more liberal on the on what I need to save so that there's no surprises. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was wondering too, we had the number, I think it was 1.4 million that you might have to have in this scenario here. Um, but that being said, when you retire at 60, you're, you don't have just have a shoebox with $1.4 million. You're going to have that hopefully invested in something where you can, you know, pull out from it every year or, or regularly to, to supplement your income. So that 1.4 will grow as you're, you know, post 60. So I guess that can also help mitigate that number a little bit too. Am I right, Kevin, or am I missing something yeah. here? No, you're absolutely right, Linus. And, and this brings me to um, understanding what's called the rule of 72. Okay, so let me give an example of, of, of what that is and why you have to be aware of it today. The rule of 72 simply states that whatever return you get on your investment in terms of an interest rate, if you divide it into 72, that will tell you how long it will take your money to double. So an example, uh, years ago when my parents and your parents and grandparents were investing money, they were getting 10, 15, and sometimes even 20% for GICs. Like, can you imagine today uh, if you could get that? Well, wow. you can. But let me, let me show you how that rule of 72 worked. If you were 30 years old and you put $10,000 in the bank and you were getting 10%, 10 into 72 means that, that your money would double every 7.2 years. So that 30-year-old, when they turned 37, that 10,000 was worth 20,000. When they were 44, it became 40,000. When they were 51 years old, it became 80,000. When they were 58 years old, it became 160,000. And when they were 65, that simple 10-year investment, sorry, $10,000 investment at 10% was worth $320,000. Now let's compare that to, to today. A 30-year-old today, if they go to the bank and want to get a fixed rate, it's going to be about 1.3, 1.2, but let's just say they get 2%. That means it will double two into 72 is 36 in 36 years. So that 30 year olds, $10,000 will be worth 20,000 when they're 65. 20,000 versus 320,000. That's incredible. Okay. So I don't share that information to depress anybody. <laughs> I think it's just a, a reality that everyone has to be really aware of. And with, and that means that if you're thinking that your money is going to double because you have some RSPs and the bank's telling you they're going to give you six or 7%, well, we all know that all the experts are telling us that there's going to be more crashes than there used to be because the world's changing. And on average, if you want to be really, um, uh, positive, you could say, well, maybe I'll get four or 5%. When I do my budgeting, I figure around two or 3%. And if I get that on average, I'm happy. And what that does, it, it forces me to put the onus on my shoulders of making more money. And the neat thing about real estate is that your income is only dictated by how much you want to work, not the market. So it comes back to the goal, having that date and then working back towards the goal. So it's interesting. Um, some of the things that you're saying there, for some reason, this keeps popping into my head, but I took a, a course with uh, Chris Leader, one of the trainers once, and he said, if you want to make some money in real estate, go buy an, an expensive car. And uh, 
and I didn't I didn't get it at first. Then I, I said, okay, I get what he's saying. You know, if you if you have the goalie, you got to pay for this car now, so you're gonna make more money. The, it's just the way it works. If you've got to pay for something, you'll figure it out and you'll work harder to get that car paid off. So you're saying if you have a goal and you're saying, I got to make $1.5 million for retirement and you put that on your wall and you put the picture of the house you want to retire in or whatever it is, um, maybe you'd be more apt to you know, think a lot more about how much money you have to make in order to make this happen. Is that the idea? Yeah, a very good example. Very good example. I mean, if you have the car and Chris is a very good friend of mine. He actually did exactly that, what you just said. He bought a very expensive car and it forced him to go work hard to make it. Yeah. Now, if you didn't make the money, you would lose the car. Right. In the retirement scenario, you know, if you have 20 years to plan for that retirement and you mess around and waste a year, you've used up 5%. 5% of 20 years, one year out of 20 is 5%. So that yeah. means if you needed $50,000, to be saved, that means the second year you have to save a hundred. It makes it wow. very difficult wow. to catch up, mm. right? And so, you know, where do you where do you start? Like, where do you invest? That's a very personal choice. Yeah. Um, I personally have invested in real estate over my career, and it has worked very well. It's the only place I've ever made money, um, and I still believe that that's where you invest today. But you That's need to think outside the box. I was going to ask you that. I'm mean, like, are we just talking RSPs here? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the RSPs sounds, you know, two, three percent doesn't sound right. But I got to tell you, if anybody's been in real estate in the last 10 years, they've made some money. That's for sure. And I'm not talking in Calgary, maybe, or, you know, the certain or in the U.S., right? I mean, who knows what's happened in different markets. But I know in Toronto area or Ontario or B.C. or, you know, it's been very lucrative. And the question is, when do we get out of it do, or do we? Do we just hold on to it? Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough, well, tough uh, answer, I guess. I guess in this case, in terms of real estate investments too, if you're looking 20, 30 years down the road, you can, you can weather any sort of corrections and, and such to assuming that you've got um, ways to that. Uh, I'm assuming that if you're renting out the property or something, if you're making these investments that they are generating income for you along the way, and that's not an issue. Um, but for sure, I mean, if we're all in the real estate industry here, it makes sense to invest in real estate in a lot of ways because you've got a lot of advantages being a real estate agent. You know the industry. Um, you're yeah. an agent, so you don't, if you make any purchases, you, you don't have to you know, pay another real estate agent for for the commission that you're generating, right? Um, so there are a lot of advantages to doing that. But Yeah, absolutely. The, the one thing with real estate is that if we depend on appreciation or inflation, the homes going up in value, to give us our return on our investment, then that's high risk. So when we buy real estate, the number should be based on, does it give me a cash flow and a return on my down payment that works towards my goal? So let me just give you an example. When I lived in Ontario in 1989, uh, at that time I moved there, I rented a house to bring my family into, and that home was worth about $300,000 and I was renting it for $1,350 a month. I worked those numbers backwards and that homeowner needed to have $200,000 equity in that home and to cover a $100,000 mortgage at that time with my rent and and my and his taxes. It didn't make sense to me that that he would have $200,000 equity in his home at that time. Why wouldn't he take that 200,000 at that time? He could he could have bought a fourplex in Calgary at that time with 200,000 down. 
even if it never went up in value for the next 10 years, he would have still received a return on his investment of 200,000, two or three times what he could have got at the bank. So now I'm sharing that example because right now you're in a market right that is dependent on appreciation to, to get a return. But if you can take some of the cash you have and buy a property in Cranbrook, BC, where you can buy an, a two bedroom condo for $90,000 or in Vernon, BC, where you can get one for 150 and rent it out for $1,200 or in New Brunswick, where you can buy apartment buildings at 80,000 a door that rent for 12 to 1400 a month. When you do the math, the rule of 72 gives you an incredible return compared to the risk that you have in highly inflated areas. Well, for sure. And it's a much more safe investment too. Uh, not trying to give anyone advice, but if, if you're purchasing in one of these hot markets right now and you have that huge correction, like you said, that is a bit of a risk. I mean, over the course of 20, 30 years, it's probably not going to be um, going up further than in inflation, I guess, in the long run, because uh, cost of living, I, I'm guessing, would have to kind of maintain um, that kind of state uh, over the course of a long period. Um, but I mean, right now, for sure, I guess people have been a little bit jaded because of you know the 20% year-over-year increases, and everyone's looking at that appreciation as being the large source of of uh, return on investments in real estate. But in fact, I guess if you're playing the long game here, it is more about the generation of, of the of the revenue that the property brings going forward. So like you said, maybe it is best to look in these, these undervalued markets because then too, maybe there's more room for appreciation of those properties as well, whereas you might not have that uh, going forward in Toronto. I mean, like, like I said, you're looking every year on year right now and it's like, you know, 10, 20, 20%. Uh, year on year can can seem very very lucrative, but maybe the numbers don't make sense if you're if you're talking about uh, renting it out and if if the market does decide to flatten out over the next few years. Yeah, I agree. You know, buy low, sell high, right? That that's what we've learned from our parents. That's that's always the case. We just when is when is high. <laughs> that's that's the magic uh, yeah. question. Same thing with the stock market. It's almost impossible to know sometimes. Everyone's got their predictions and everything, but you, no one's really got that crystal ball to know. So yeah. So um. If you're not on track, then let's say you're you're 50, looking at retiring, and you want to retire when you're 60, 65. You're you're running out of time. Maybe you don't have as much money, you know, squirreled away as as you need to to hit these goals. What what do you do in that situation? I, I I imagine a lot of people might be listening to this podcast. and might start panicking, being like, oh crap, like maybe I'm not where I need to be. Maybe I can't get there as fast as I'd like to. Is there any advice you have for someone like that? Well, I think just be realistic with yourself. Don't panic. I mean, life is what it is. If if you want to retire early and you have already lived the kind of life that doesn't allow you to do that, then I guess you have to adjust your date. Uh, you have to be realistic. So you start off by choosing a date, work it backwards. If it's realistic for you to achieve that goal, then start working the plan. If it's not realistic, then you may have to adjust that plan. Um, you know, that's life. If you wanted to re retire at 60 and all of a sudden you realize you can't retire until you're 65, then I'm sorry to say that that's just the way it is. I mean, the alternative is to always work harder, get more listings, and that's the beauty of real estate. If you get more listings, you're gonna make more money in any market. Yeah, that's and, true. And at the end of the day too, in real estate, I mean, you might say you retire, 
But do you, do you ever really, though? You still probably have a lot of those leads and everything coming in. You can just pass those along and you can always generate referrals. Um, but I, like, for instance, my grandfather, he was selling gas stations and, until he was about like 85 years old. Like he, the, the business will still keep coming. You still have maintained all those relationships going forward. So uh, it's not like your, your, your income just stops and turns to zero uh, as soon as you retire, too. Like you can semi-retire and such as well. I guess that's another option for someone who's a little bit behind at this point as well. Yeah, you know, for sure. And a lot of realtors do do that. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if I can leave you with one final thought, and this isn't mine, this is just, you know, Newton and his, his law of inertia. You say, where do I get started? Well, the law of inertia says no force means no acceleration. So your body will remain at its velocity. So if you don't make any change, if you don't start moving forward, you simply have no inertia. So where do you start? You start by picking a date, identifying a goal, and then start working that plan, being flexible and understand that it, it, it's a moving target, but at least you have a place to start. That's great advice. Yeah. Well, you've certainly motivated me to start uh, definitely yeah. making sure I've got this plan together uh, going forward. Uh, and it sounds like Aaron's uh, been uh, about the same <laughs> like mine here as well. So, I, Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess we'll we'll finish our main segment there and we'll move into our app of the week. So as everyone knows, we always do every week we do a, a spotlight on a specific app of the week. And this week's app is called LastPass. So if all of you are like me, you've probably got maybe dozens, hundreds of websites. You've got different usernames and passwords for all these sites. It's kind of tough to remember them all. Maybe you use the same password for most of them, which is horribly insecure, by the way. Um, but it can be a little bit overwhelming. And there are a lot of password management apps out there, uh, websites and services that you can use. LastPass is the one that I use personally. I know Aaron uses one as well. He mentioned that he uses a different one, but a lot of them are very, do very similar things. And I definitely suggest checking them out. LastPass, what it does is you actually just have to, at this point, if you start using LastPass, remember one username and password from here on out. That's your username and password for LastPass. LastPass securely stores all your username and password information for all the sites, apps, anything that you use that requires usernames and passwords. It's got an extension for browsers. So if you go to a website, if you go to Google, say, it'll automatically pull up your Google authentication, uh, your username and password, and it'll populate it in there. Uh, so you don't have to remember it. And you can, you can generate random passwords for each one so you can keep your passwords more secure. And it also has an app for the for iPhone or Android as well. And the great thing is it works with new like finger, fingerprint authentication. So you don't even really have to even remember your LastPass password. You just you know, use the Touch ID on the iPhone or any of the new Android phones that have fingerprint sensors. And it just automatically logs you into any site. You don't have to remember any of the passwords or anything anymore. And LastPass, I know the, the first thing I thought about when I heard this is, well, what if my LastPass account gets hacked? That's all my passwords out there. And personally, I've got all my like banking uh, passwords, everything in there. Uh, they've been audited by very top, uh, very top security experts in the industry. And it's been deemed to be pretty razor tight there. Um, everything's encrypted. If Even if your account gets compromised, no one can actually get your passwords out in plain text. So this is something that I definitely recommend checking out. It's called LastPass. They do have a free version. They also have a paid version. It's it's $1 per month of subscription service where you it can save your password across like all your devices. But anyways, definitely check it out. Give it a whirl. Uh, it makes life so much easier and it'll make everything a lot more secure for you on your internet presence as well. So Aaron, what was the name of the app that you use that's similar to? You mentioned it before. Yeah, the one I use is called Secure Safe. 
and I was storing all my passwords and everything. Same thing, you get the fingerprint uh, identification. And so that's basically what I was using it for. And then we started talking about this before the show today. And I went in there to see, well, gee, you know, can you do all the other things that Linus's app can do? <laughs> and then sure enough, it does, has all these different features. So I've uh, re-experienced uh, re the app and now I'm gonna be starting to use some of these other features with the uh, two-factor identification. Um, it's just one login for everything. And uh, I didn't use that in the past. I just didn't realize I could use it uh, on this uh, app as well. And it seems to be a pretty secure app. So um, that's called Secure Safe. So you can check that out as well. Yeah, makes life a lot easier. And it, and it avoids you having to use your password as being, you know, like one, two, three, four, five, and like those kinds of things. Now, I know a lot of sites have beefed up security requiring, you know, you've got like an uppercase character, lowercase character, some special characters and such. But still, it does get you out of that bad habit of having that one password that you use for everything. Because if one of those gets compromised, you can be in a rough spot. So. Anyhow, I think we're going to wrap up the show here then. So if you like the show, subscribe to our show on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts online. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on those sites. You can watch this and past shows at spotlight.century21.ca slash podcast. If you need to reach us, you can email us anytime at podcast at homania.com. That's podcast at H-O-M as in Mary, E-A-N as in Nancy, I-A. Com. So this podcast was brought to you by the Spotlight Marketing Program, an exclusive marketing package available only to Century 21 agents in Canada. Spotlight provides agents with a comprehensive internet marketing strategy for their listings. We provide high-quality HDR photography, stunning HD video tours, a cutting-edge responsive website, and an extensive advertising system that will help sell your listings faster, sell them for more money, impress your clients, and generate leads. Find out why so many people are using Spotlight by visiting spotlight.century21.ca today. So I got some more news too. We just confirmed actually we're going to be at conference doing a live version of the podcast as well. So if you're coming out to Vancouver conference and we definitely suggest you do, make sure you register for that and we'll see you there. Thanks for watching. Kevin, thank you so much for coming out. We had a great show. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week.